The wisdom of experts can change your life. As a co-chair at the University of Texas, you've attained this elite status from growing and evolving over the course of your coaching career. In our Learning from Experts podcast, exclusively for the head coaches here at the University of Texas, we're going to accelerate that process. You'll hear from world-class coaches, sports psychologists, and successful people. And occasionally, it's the wisdom that impacts other areas of your life, like your health or your marriage. But here's something really important to appreciate. Timing. Hearing something at exactly the right time makes all the difference. Sometimes it's repetition. Hearing a concept multiple times until it resonates with you. So buckle up. This week's Learning from the Experts is about to begin. Hey coaches, John Mitchell here. So this week, we're going to hear from our very own Jared Elliott, who has won three women's volleyball national championships and two in a row. You're going to love this interview. Jared has so many pearls of wisdom. Listen for how he is more involved with the parents than ever before. Really interesting. Also discovered that a key component of Jared's culture is preparing his girls for life after volleyball and college. You'll also hear something that will surprise you about Jared. He typically gets up at 2 a.m. Hear what that's all about. He's playing into his superpower. And here's the essence of what you'll learn. Jared has had success because he confronts problems. He actually embraces confrontation. And that makes his life easier. So with that said, hey, let's get rolling and listen to the one and the only Jared Elliott. And remember, as a coach here at the University of Texas, hey, you're living the dream just like Jared is. Hey, Jared, you are the man. Two natties in a row. Well, welcome to Learning from Experts. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, the last time we talked was like... Uh, 2021 and uh, you guys had just gotten knocked out of the tournament in the sweet 16 and I know after that happened there was boy there was a lot of analysis and since then you've gone on to win two national championships so tell us what what changed well I think we obviously became a better volleyball team I think there was a lot of you know skill sets that we were lacking in, in 2021 in terms of the ability to control the ball but you know, most importantly, the, the change was our culture. I think we made a big improvement in that area, and we had some players that really kind of wanted to turn this program around and, and get back to it. Right. So when you say you changed the culture, uh, what was it before and how did you change it? Well, you know, I think nothing that we did that had any kind of magic behind it. I think we just had players that were a little bit more bought in. I think, you know, obviously losing and stinging. I think, you know, in 2021, it was Elite Eight, not the Sweet 16, but I think, you know, the expectations that we've set here in, at Texas Volleyball is to be a Final Four team and competing for national championships. So it's a big sting to you when you lose in the Elite Eight uh, for us. And, you know, there were some players that really wanted to recommit themselves, really wanted to recommit their abilities to connect with teammates and really put the team first and, and make it a priority to get back and try to win a championship. Right, right. So so you also said that uh, – uh pure talent in certain areas was, was had to be upgraded, right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, we were able to be 
we had some really nice players coming back. Uh, we hit the portal pretty hard and were able to kind of find the pieces that we felt like could contribute to that. Uh, I think when we had those players that came in from other universities, they found out about our culture. They found out, um, you know, how we run things and they were really impressed by it. And I think it allowed them to be free and be the people they are to perform at a really high level. Right, right. Yeah, I know one of your hallmark traits is, is you help your athletes discover who they are as a person. You know, I found that so interesting. Would you just talk about that and how you do that? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty extensive, but I think, you know, I think we forget how young these athletes are, um, I think, and what they're all going through. And I think these athletes, you know, in today's day and age with the way society is run, all they know is their family, uh, their friends, school, and the sport that they play. So they haven't had a lot of skill sets yet to be able to develop. And, you know, coming into a place like the University of Texas is always challenging. And I think for us, you know, understanding kind of how to help them uh, mold themselves and, and learn to be vulnerable, uh, learn to be able to talk and, and communicate at a high level is is really important. And so the culture that we try to create is is understanding these young athletes and helping them through that life is really hard. And I think, you know, we all expect every day to be a 10, but it's not reality. And so the more that they can understand that there's the, the pendulum of ups and downs, it's and helping them through that uh, is, is the big key. Right, right. Do you, do you have a psychology background that, that uh, inclines you to this? Coaching is my psychology background. <laughs> I get I that. Think, look, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, you look at what successful programs have, and it's, I think it's a culture. And so I think, you know, it's always been my mission to try to understand people it's, you know, in leading people is, is kind of the key component. And what is that structure? Early on in my career, I was always reading all these different books and trying to find out what that magic was. And, you know, I finally realized that I'm not going to find it in a book. It's about how I communicate. It's how I treat people. Uh, it's the, the standards that we create and the methods of those communication chains that are so important. And then making sure that there's a lot of trust and no judgment within the program and that there's genuine care behind it. And I think anybody wants to go to battle when they know that they're taken care of. Uh, they got people fighting for them and supporting them in their corner. And that's what we try to do. Right, right. You know, it's, it seems to me that we live in this, this culture of uh, where it's a very shallow culture, which, which uh, you know, this flip through culture and, and, and people don't do much introspection. But, you know, from what I know of your program, uh, this seems to be the, the secret sauce that that you go deeper in helping uh, your ladies understand who they are. Um, uh, do you see it that way? Yeah, I, I would say that's probably one of our superpowers. I think, you know, we like to invest in our players. You know, we have them over dinner. We're spending a lot of time one-on-one -on -one with coffee sessions in those areas. I think we all need some kind of leader behind us or someone that believes in us. Right. Or that we are able to understand that and get them to a spot where they can truly unload all the things that they're going through, both physically and mentally, to, to help them out. There's nothing like, you know, having a, a mentor and, that can cheer you on and, and help you through those process uh, driven goals that they have. And they're highly, you know, type A personalities because they've all been successful. But, you know, they're also going through so much stuff that people don't realize. And, the goal for that is, you know, as my late mother said, good people love people. And I think that is kind of the theme that we live by in our program and really trying to teach our players what that method is, 
I think, you know, coaching women's sports, I think we try to really push that, you know, to cheer each other on and to be that advocate for one another and to know what that looks like uh, for a player and what your teammates are going through and identify those processes. And, and uh, are you using a psychological profile or you, or just uh, questionnaires to help, help the girls figure out who they are? Yeah, I, I think we it, it's conversations. It's, you know, the experience of being older like I am. And, and you know, we have some great coaches and David and, and Eric and Kirsty that are also helping out with that process. But it's, again, it's just sitting down and actually being genuine and getting to know them. And then we're learning, we're, you know, there's questionnaires that we, we have them fill out. Uh, David's going through one right now with, with some of the players. Uh, our players, we just finished a, a culture team meeting of trying to understand kind of how to make the player next to you better and what that is. And for people to really understand, you know, what motivates them or what detracts them from being on point when they're playing. But it's, again, it's, it's just the genuine involvement. And I think what we've done also is our captains now have taken such a big role in this and, you know, they'll have team dinners at their houses. Our seniors will be spending time with our younger players and our freshmen when they come in. So it really truly creates this family atmosphere that uh, is pretty unique. Right. And, and how do you do captains? You, you designate three or four girls that are the captains, and how has that evolved over the years? It's evolved. I mean, originally we used to have 20 questions, and within those 20 questions there was um, different types of leadership, and each player would get to – you could nominate one player for each one of those questions. But um, it was great because it allowed us to get into that as a, as a young coach and understand kind of where they are. Now I'm just kind of – we're just selecting them and just going through that process and involving them and talking to them and trying them to teach them just be an extension of what we are, not so much about enforcing. It's just about being aware of what everybody's going through and helping them out. Right. And so, so how many, how many girls are on the team and how many captains do you have? Yeah, we usually tend to have about 18 to 21 players right now. Um, and then we'd like to have two or three different captains. Right. Right. Uh, and, and what do you see as the most important characteristics for the captains well i think it's I, I think you need to have a few different characteristics one is you know you need to have the communicator one that's really good with the liaison between the coaches and the players and mm -hmm. being able to create and build that trust to say hey coach this is what we need right now um, i think you need someone that can create standards within the program uh, and teach people what they're like and then someone that really knows the program at a high level and demands you know the cultural piece of what we should be doing on a daily basis both in the gym, uh, off the court, and with team unity stuff. Right, right. And, and you know, this uh, you had mentioned this uh, last time that uh, you basically have five different types of leaders. You call it the, the enforcer, the li liaison, the go-to leader, the practice leader, the challenge, challenging and changing things leader. Um, would, you, would you just talk about that, the five different types? Yeah, I, I think each person has their own superpowers, right? And, and yeah. leadership in all different forms and phases. You know, uh, old school stuff used to be the enforcer. Um, you know, nowadays I think it's more a lot, a lot more about being the liaison and be able to make sure that they have a feel for what everybody's going through and how they can help them out. Um, because I think through times it's really changed in terms of how you manage this generation compared to, you know, generations of the 90s and 2000s. They're just very different. And so those components what you mentioned there are all skill sets of what the complete leader has i don't think i've ever had a leader that comes in with a, all five of those being an enforcer a great liaison mm -hmm. 
you know, a, a great communicator. So we're trying to kind of during their time here, teach them all those skill sets and what that looks like. Um, a lot of it now has come into you, you lead by the way that you act and you perform on a daily basis and people follow you a little bit more. Um, but those are all critical components. It's again, it's more how are you teaching your athletes to become, you know, elite leaders and what, what is that, what is that magic superpower that leaders have? And it comes down to people believing in you, people trusting you and uh, you caring a lot about people. And so when our leadership has that, I think our players feel that and, they can su su succeed on and off the court. And, and so you're not necessarily looking for all those, those five things in, in each person. It's more uh, looking at each person and, and deciding which one of the five they are, right? Yeah, and, and sometimes they may have one. Sometimes they may have, have up to three. But, again, they're super young in terms of their process oriented and what they've known and what they've learned. And so the evolution of the program, hopefully, is that they're, they're, you're getting some of those bits and pieces as we continue throughout the program. And right. again, it's, you come to college to learn how to think. And so you come in here and you, you're trying to live up to the, all the high expectations that we have here. But it's then teaching those athletes when they get comfortable here to there's another phase of this. And that's about people and involving people and building trust. And I think that was one of the, the big keys to this year's success is we – just stuck to the process. We had a lot of players that believed in one another. No one kind of, no one panicked and no one was judging one another. And they just kind of came in to work day in and day out. And by the end, they had such a tight knit group that they were determined to go out and win this. Right. You know, it just seems to me that you operate your team on a, on, on a intellectually higher basis than, than most coaches do. Uh, do you see it that way? I don't know. I don't know what other coaches do. I don't know how they operate all the time. Um, it's been a philosophy that I've really kind of, you know, got myself into. I think I have an incredible staff that really helps me. You know, I'm the point person, but I think, you know, what David and what Eric and what Kirsty bring to the table is, is really unique as well. And I think there's just trust. And I think the goal for any type of leadership is trust, um, no judgment, and, and, you know, the ability to feel good about yourself and train really hard. And, you know, when you got those components of trust and ability to train hard and also being able to work on your own skill sets of where you need to improve as a person, I think that's where the magic kind of happens. And, right. You know, you're trying to like, you know, it, again, like you, you look at a flower or whatever it is, it's not what's on top, it's the roots on the bottom. So anything mm -hmm. that we're trying to do is, is really trying to incorporate a culture where there's a systematic approach to caring um, developing and helping these young ladies through all the things that they're going through. And it, it's a big gamut of stuff that people don't realize how, how much these young athletes are going through. Right. It really is a system, isn't it? It just it yeah. doesn't happen. It's a system. It's a system. Uh, there's definitely a system. There's definitely some, some uh, rhythm to the madness of what goes on. But again, the, the underlying tone of what we are is, Again, good people love people, and we're trying to help people, you know, become the best version of themselves. And there's a lot of tears. There's a lot of smiles. There's a lot of heartache. Um, but there's a lot of support. And I think when athletes feel support in this generation, they're going to work a little bit harder. They're going to be more committed to the process, and they're going to be more successful in their own head in the most critical points of the big matches. Do, do you see a change in in – in uh, young people over the last 
five years or so that you can identify? I don't know if it's over the last five. It's it's definitely in the not, the last you know decade for sure. Um, again, what social media has done, uh, the way that fans interact with our athletes is very different. Um, the pressures that they feel from all different sides of it. Um, they these this generation hasn't failed a lot because of the systems they've been in. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've been in all kinds of structured clubs, structured schools, structured parenting, structured friends, and so they haven't felt the the une- uneasiness of failing. And I think. This generation, when you when they get into that situation, there's so much anxiety and nerves with that. And so you've got to be able to kind of get into that situation a little bit more and, and get them confident in who they are and not worry about the outside noise a lot. And that's why there's, a, there's this incredible trust that we have with not only the players, but also the, I think the parents that are in our program as well is, is that everybody's on board to, to be getting their daughters and their, their teammates to be the best version of themselves. Right. Yeah. You know, your team seemed to be really mentally strong in this past, uh, this last year. Uh, I, I guess it was in maybe in the sweet 16 or the elite eight, you, you had to fight off, uh, uh, two or three match points, right? Yeah. That was in the sweet 16 against Tennessee. It was one of those nights, you know, I, we tell our team all the time, there's going to be 20 to 30% of the time, that you just don't have a good match and you got to be able to figure out a way to win it. And I think for us, we always focus on one point at a time, but we also talk about, you know, you don't need to be perfect to win the NCAA tournament. I think everybody thinks that, you know, you just got to be good enough that night and fight your way through it. And so that night, you know, Tennessee was very talented, but we were uneasy and we weren't performing at the level that we can. And I think the unity we never saw the body language change. We never saw their eye contact change. We never saw their communication change. And we didn't lose anybody uh, that was on the court to any kind of emotional behaviors. And so they were able to build that trust through that point in time. And they kept fighting and they kept fighting. And when we were talking to them in game four, it just said, hey, win this game four and we'll win game five. It's, it's ugly. It's not good right now. But just have some grit and be able to find a way to make that happen. And they did that. And then ultimately with that, there was so much confidence that was built from that. They just kind of rolled through the next three number one seeds in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's a tribute to you as a coach to build that type of uh, mental resilience and 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 that that avoiding panicking. Um, and you know, last time we visited, you said something that really caught my attention. You said that uh, your perception is wrong in the majority of cases regarding, you know, different situations. Would you, do you still feel that way? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's, it, perception is kind of the, the devil that's involved with coaching, right? Like you hear your players talking about certain situations or you get wind of something and you perceive what that, that situation was. You know, you, your job as a coach is actually to go to those players and find out what's really going on. And, uh, you know, a lot of those times when I hear something, my head goes to a certain spot and I've learned to not take any kind of judgment on that. So I think perceiving things as a coach is, is, a, is a dangerous road to go down. And so for me, whether it's dealing with a conflict, it's thinking what my team needs for the next step as an elite coach of what we need to do to win. I involve my players a lot and, you know, asking them where they think, what they need, where they, where they're going and, what situations we can improve on as a coach instead of just demanding it. And I think when they have that buy-in from them and we get that buy-in from them, we learn that, you know, they have different needs than we thought they need. And so 
it's a good conflict to, to go through with them, but it also builds trust that they have some importance and value to, to us trusting them during that process as well. I guess, I guess the challenge for, for a coach, especially a success, successful coach, is you assume that you know what the issue is at the first uh, inkling of whatever it is. And it takes that humility to just be fact-finding as opposed to solution-oriented. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it's a fair assessment. I think you're, you're, you're trying to keep them down as much as possible in terms of just the emotional balance that you have with your team. I think the, the key to, at least for me in coaching women, is that you're trying to kind of keep the emotional stressors out and where they can go hard right or hard left. You're trying to kind of keep them consistent in regards to their emotional behaviors. And emotional behaviors happen when there's consistency and there's trust. And so when you have that as a coach, I think that helps out a ton in regards as to the development of the athletes. Right. Um, so, you know, the emotional intelligence is a really key component that you're striving for within those players. And I think, again, that's where the relationships come in. I think that's where the team trust comes in. I think that's where the, the unity comes in. And that's where the fight comes in to be able to trust one another in those really critical situations. Because, you know, I think, Culture, you got, it's really hard to win, and you got to learn how to win, and you got to learn how to be able to do all that. So I think those are key components to it. Right, right. So, so talk about that, that idea of you have to learn how to, to win. Uh, you said that last time. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of great teams. I've been doing this a long time, and it's like the challenge is getting your athletes to really believe uh, in how to win. And I think Texas, there's a whole nother stress that is involved with it. I think it's really hard to win at Texas. Uh, people just assume that it's easy, but because of the outside noise, what the fan base, what the media says, um, the expectations that people expect you to win, the, the athletes feel that. And, you know, trying to be able to create a, you know, circle the wagons for, for lack of a better term is, is kind of the key. And so we've got to be able to eliminate the outside noise. And so that's, the first component to that, and then getting them to believe in each other and believe in the systems and b believe in the process. Those are all challenging things that you go through as a coach. You got to make sure they believe in your systems. You got to make sure you believe in your, your rotations that you're putting in there. You got to believe in terms of the technical aspects that we're building. And then obviously they got to believe in, in the game management as we kind of move forward through that. And so when you have all those components that come together, there becomes a really strong strength to be able to succeed. And, Ultimately, my teams, I usually, I'm backing off by the time the final four comes. I mean, they just were on a roll this year. And I, I just, you can feel it. You know, you're, you're talking to them. You're seeing the way that they walk and talk. Um, you're seeing the trust and the interactions. And you're seeing the true joy of being in that moment where they're able to kind of go out and win. And so that's, I, winners win. And they got to learn how to do that. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, it's fascinating to, to watch you coach uh, because you do really take a, a step back and let let the players uh, uh, own what's going on and and solve what's going on largely. Is that is that a fair assessment? I've probably learned that I could probably mess up things a lot easier than I can <laughs> <laughs> let them play and be, just be themselves. So yeah, I mean it's it, again it's understanding of what players and how they move and how they talk and you know again we're doing an exercise right now of just learning how to make the person better next to you and so learning what those buttons are, learning what those keys are. And when you get into stressful situations, when you have an insecurity or a behavior that that mannerism 
is definitely a lot easier to come out and show itself. Right. And so we try to avoid those. That's why we were so successful in, the, in going back to the Tennessee match. I, none of those mannerisms came out. None of the stressors came out. None of the bad body language came out. You know, they were in it to be able to win it. And they were very process oriented and they were competing in the ultimate moment. And instead of worrying about the personnel around them. So it was, that's what the goal is. You know, it, it would seem at, at one level that the success you've had uh, certainly makes it easy when, when players come into your program, they, they darn sure understand that this is how to do it. This is how you win. Uh, there's no question about, is this the right path? Uh, so on that side, it gets easier. Um, does it also get harder? It definitely gets harder, um, especially because, you know, I, I think you're, when you have freshmen come in, they just assume when you're winning that we're going to go win one. They yeah. don't understand how hard and the difficult, difficult process is. And trying to get them to stick to the process and talk, instead of talking about national championships is the key component to it. And then really understanding what components they got to be great in. That's the weight room. It's nutrition. It's the academic piece. It's all these pieces that, you know, the great ones that succeed here. Uh, are, are adamant about doing. And so it's, it's teach them that culture and it's having our upperclassmen teach them that culture. And then, yeah, there's a tremendous amount of stress to be able to maintain it. I think it's, I mean, I know for me, the joy of coaching has really changed because of the expectations that we've set as a program. And I think that's the misery of being a coach. Like if you're not winning, you got to win more games to be more happy and more successful. And then when you start winning, like all these expectations of getting to final fours and competing for national championships have been set. You know, our fan base is not happy if we're not in the final four anymore. And that's a ridiculous standard that we've created. Right. Right. You know, I don't know if you heard it. I, I gave it to the coaches uh, uh, a while back where uh, Bill Walsh, the legendary coach uh, of the 49ers ended up uh, retiring early because um, he, he was all about, winning more so than the process. And he says, you know, you, uh, I got zero points for winning and, and, and negative points for, for losing. And, and, uh, he sort of lost his, his way and, and got out of coaching. And so, you know, to the point you're making, they got to embrace the, uh, the, the process and, and the standard is not really necessarily winning. It's embracing the process, right? For sure. And I think it's, it's understanding the, the drive and, and enjoying like, my goal for my whole self this last year, because, you know, we started off five and three and my son came home and everybody was asking like, what's wrong with Texas volleyball? Like, it became this overwhelming thing. And I said, I was not going to allow myself to get in that. I was going to enjoy it and I was going to be relaxed and I was going to just keep teaching and trusting what we've been able to do. And so for me, I've always wanted to, enjoy coaching but i think i this final four was probably my most enjoyable one because i was like hey like let's just let this ride enjoy it watch our kids play and watch them develop but i i think there needs to be a lot of joy in the process for the athletes as well and yeah the way that we handle them and the things that we do with them along the process is is joyful and making them feel that we never talk about national championships you know except for the beginning of the year like we set the goal of like hey this is what the program's about are we still on the same page and they say yes and then it's about process and it's about people and enjoying the ride and trying to make things enjoyable in our practice environment. 
Right. So as, as you recruit players into your, your culture, um, are there two or three key things you're looking for in, in the players in terms of their psyche? I'm not sure it's more, more their psyche. It's, it's more the type of people they are, and it's also the type of parents they are. Uh, we're doing a lot of homework into what parents are doing now um, because parents are very involved with these athletes nowadays, and we need to be, they need to be part of our village. I think I've included parents a lot more in my process now than I ever have before. Uh, I'm calling them a lot more in terms of just filling them in where their daughter's at, what we're doing, how we can help them, letting them get their frustrations out with me, um, because ultimately I can't make every one of my parents happy. Um, right. The more that we're communicating with them, the more they understand the process. I think those are key components to, to helping us out as well. You know, I know a big part of your, your program is really preparing uh, your girls for the real world after they, they graduate. Uh, and that's, that's got to be uh, um, welcome news to the, the parents. Um, so would you talk about how you do that, uh, some of the things you do in that regard? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a, I would definitely say it's one of our cornerstones within our program. Again, just another component that we're showing our athletes that we care about them more than they're, them just as volleyball players. And I think that's what we talk to them a lot about is that you're more than a volleyball player here at Texas. And so we try to involve ourselves in terms of, what starts here changes the world. And I think I believe in that motto. I believe in terms of how to be able to help them out. And I believe in now, you know, there's this obviously the NIL experience now. Um, there's all the leverage programs and what our university provides for athletes and giving them opportunities. And then getting them, you know, the NIL piece isn't the big piece. The, the big piece is getting them in front of people where they can meet and create relationships. Um, just like in the business world, it's six degrees of separation, right? You meet the right 6% and you're in that mix you're going to be successful by nature because of the connections they have or what they may do. So we are adamantly helping them in any type of business venture that they want to be able to do. You know, um, Emma Halter wants to do a clothing line. She's not quite ready to that, but we're starting to kind of just talk about a little bit more and what that means between getting that involved. Uh, Maddie Skinner wants to start a skincare line. So we're going to try to help her and align her with the right people to make sure she can get in those positions. So giving them some key components, setting up LLCs, teaching them about taxes, you know, how to be able to manage themselves in the business world and making these connections is a big key component to it. And I think, you know, with the, all the eyes that are on us with our social media and our following, these athletes have some pretty unique opportunities to really think differently. And it's a big challenge for me because, as I mentioned, they've only had known school, family, friends, and volleyball, and they've never thought about the business stuff. You know, the school yeah. aspect, yes, they go and they learn all these, these different classes, but in terms of real world, applications they haven't had those opportunities so you know we will get them with the right people and meeting with people and we have a group of people that we have that um, want to be mentors for these athletes and it's pretty unique you know don't don't you think that 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 athletes are at an inherent advantage over non-athletes regarding being successful in the real world oh without a doubt i mean i have some big time ceos that are always asking me like who my best leaders are because mm -hmm. you know Again, athletes have learned how to fail. They've learned with con yeah. uh, conflict resolution. They've learned with communication. They learned how to grind and what they do. Uh, you know, one of the great stories is Bailey Webster, my former, you know, first team All-American that won the national championship in 12. Uh, we had a financial advisor ask me, and I said, Bailey, he wants to interview you. She's like, I don't know anything about financial. That's not what I studied. I'm going to study communication. I said, just go to the interview. 
And she went to the interview. They hired her. She came back and said, Coach, they're, they're going to teach me how to do it all. They pay me this ridiculous amount of money. And, um, you know, I checked in with the, the CEO like two months after. He says, it's amazing. Every Saturday and Sunday, I come into the office because I have extra work to do. And your athlete's in there studying on her own. And she's in there till 8 o'clock at night, every night, just kind of grinding. And she's moved her way up so fast in terms of that company. It's been amazing. But it's because of the skill set she learned from college athletics and the University right. of Texas. Right. Well, you, you know, I'm I'm so proud of the University of Texas and, and, and CDC. You know, uh, I know you know this. But, you know, the big athletic programs are embracing this idea of, of making their athletes uh, successful in the real world. Because the reality is, although that's college's purpose, it really doesn't do that, right? I mean, college itself does not prepare them for the real world, don't you think? Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, I, I think the – I won't get into my model of what I think, but I think, you know, I think CDC brain <laughs> is very unique. I think it's, it's, it's uh, a lot like mine in terms of it goes a lot of different directions and thinks about how to be unique and how to make it special. Um, and he's been a, a great catalyst for our university to put the right pieces in place for that. And these athletes have any transfer that we get in here, they're blown away by our resources, by the opportunities that we actually have people that care for them, that want to help them out in, in every aspect of, uh, of life. And, you know, again, he's put the right people in the right places to create another layer above and beyond our program to show these athletes that they matter and they care. And, you know, he's obviously very involved and knows every one of our players and, so when you have that kind of leader, it, it's just infectious in terms of being able to create a great unity, even amongst the coaches and all the athletes. The culture has been fantastic. Right. Well, you know, with with CDC support, um, I'm uh, I've created a class. Uh, the The goal is to teach them how to be successful in the real world. But as a coach, I think you maybe more than any other coach is is doing that. Although I think all of the coaches. Are, are doing that by the nature of them being in athletics. But, but I so admire the specifics of what you're doing. Yeah, um, I, I don't think school teaches you everything. I mean, you don't learn what a mortgage is. You don't know what life insurance is. You don't know how to do your taxes. You don't know how to create tax brackets. You don't know how to do any of these things. And you don't even know how to go out and get a job. And I think that's one of the things to building a culture within the program. And, you know, for us, it's been – obviously very successful because when I sit in a parent's room and say, hey, here's what we're doing, you know, it's like I get this great volleyball program, I get this great culture, and now I'm, I'm my, I'm my daughter's getting opportunities to meet people that are so powerful in the business world and you're learning real-life experiences, that's very, very valuable to us. So I, I see it as a component to part of our culture. It's also something that, you know, as a coach, I learned a long time ago that the wins and losses are going to come, but they're painful but it's seeing your athletes succeed, you know, long-term in 10 years, you know, whether it's in the business world or whether it's, you know, in their marriages is what the goal has to be as a coach. Because if you have that frame of mind, you're always going to have success. But I, I have a business mind, you know, I, I've created a couple things in my life and, um, you know, my wife is running one of the companies, but I think it's, it's where my brain goes to. It's just, I think sports is like business. Uh, there's a model that has to be, there's a model that you have to understand to be successful and if you can sustain that model of what it is, then you're going to have a long-term success. And so I, I, I love that part of teaching my athletes the business side of it and talking to them and sitting down and saying, hey, where do you want to go? Where do you want to be in five years? And let's help you, let's help you plan that out. Yeah. 
Yeah. So talk about the uh, transfer portal. What is your philosophy today now with the transfer portal? Yeah, it's, I think, I mean, I just mentioned, I, I think sports are a lot like business. And I think to be a successful businessman or woman, the business models change and you have to be able to keep up with what the evolution is to be able to stay on top. And I think you see a lot of companies fail when they don't change to the times. And so the college world is changing every single day. So to me, in my mind, the first thing I'm looking at this is how do I, how do I make this a business and how do I stay on top? And the transfer portal has now created different opportunities for us to go out and find athletes in, in, in the transfer portal to help our program out. And, you know, the value of experience is second to none. And so you develop your players into your program and you have athletes that contribute to that, but you also bring in some players that can help you be able to develop. And it's, uh, I think there's a lot of coaches that are utilizing that. I think that's what you're seeing. And it's, unfortunately, that's kind of the new business model. And so you have to be able to find a way to be successful with it. But we use it. Uh, we like to develop our own players and that's a big part of it as well. But you know, the goal of Texas is always to win. I think I'm very straightforward with my recruits and everybody else is that we're going to go out and recruit the best players. We're going to go win championships. And that's what our goal is. So over the last couple of years, um, how many transfer players have you brought in? Yeah, it, I mean, it varies. Uh, you know, one year we lost a few players, so we had to bring a, a lot in to kind of keep, compete and sustain. And then we've been kind of, you know, adding, you know, a couple of players each year um, to that, to that portal. So it's, it, it ebbs and flows each year, depending on the depth you have and the talent you have and the development you've had. I, I guess to some degree, uh, losing players is not a bad thing because if they're not fully embracing the culture, you want them to get, sort of go down the road, right? Yeah, it's. I think that's one of the harder things that we've had. I mean, we had a. I mean, we had one year where we lost four or five athletes, and that was the most we've ever lost. Before that, I think I've lost maybe seven athletes in my 25 years. I just I have a culture where players don't really want to leave. Um, so it's it's but it's 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 talking to those athletes. At some point, I have to sit down with these athletes and say, hey, look, this is where you are on the depth chart. You know, we've made a commitment to you. We want you to be here, and we you can stay here. But it's going to be challenging. And when I do that, I think it helps the athletes understand too the team culture that their what their role is a little bit more. Right. Right. You know, I, I know mindset is such a critical part of, of life. Um, tell us about your morning routine and how you impact your own mindset. Well, it usually starts about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that's usually when I wake up and I have about two hours of thought of what I'm going through. So that's kind of where I'm going through what I need to do that day, what key items I need to, to work on, and then also where can I take my program to, to sustain. Because I'm, my biggest fear in life is just losing – culture that we have and the ability to sustain the level that we have. And so I lose a lot of sleep over that. Um, you know, and it's, that's, I'm just trying to keep that organizational thought in my head. You know, typically right now we're practicing in the morning, so it's nice. We come in and we can get after it and then I get my day's work in. But again, I rely on my staff a lot. I got an incredible staff and David Hunt and Eric Sullivan and Kirsty and Nathan, my director of operations. We just got an incredible team. And then the university gives me great support with Sarah Baumgartner, my AD and Chris Polonsky and Del Connie. So I'm super fortunate. I can, I can turn and I can lean on a lot of people when I need to, and, and they can deal with my crazy brain. Well, uh, did I get say it right that you're getting up at two in the morning, typically every day? 
Yeah, I'm getting up at two, but I'm going back to sleep at between four and five, and I'm getting another one hour, two hours back into it. Uh, it's right. a method that I don't like. Uh, it's not healthy, but it's something that I'm trying to figure out. Huh. You know, that's, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I uh, know a lot about the subconscious mind, and uh, uh, I think there's some good things going on with that because you're, you're giving the subconscious mind something to chew on when you go back to sleep. For sure. Uh, I'm a big, I believe in manifesting. I believe in, you know, trying to create that, that energy. Um, there's no doubt that it's led to some of my success because I'm just thinking different. And I think that's probably one of my unique superpowers is my brain is, has a lot of different thoughts. And so um, I let those thoughts kind of flow and, you know, nine out of 10 are good thoughts, but then, you know, I, I find one that can really be unique and put me in a, on, a, on a process to, keep our culture and, and our, our success at a high level. Are, are you still journaling? Uh, I don't journal as much as I used to. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm reading a lot more, I think. Right, right. Uh, like, what are you reading? Oh, it goes from, I mean, anything. I mean, depending on what, what night it is, sometimes it's just the news, but, you know, it's, it's, it's learning just, I, I believe in, in going down the path of learning how people think. Like, that's kind yeah. of my big Right now, how do you get to people? How do you create relationships? And how do you build trust? And, you know, I, I don't think, I think there's so much letdown because there's a lot of people that don't believe in trust and because of their insecurities behave in certain different ways or let those insecurities manifest in, in different and ugly ways. And I think, as I tell my team, when someone's behaving a certain way, they're usually screaming for help. And that's where we need to be from. So when they're behaving or they're saying things that way, we should actually be approaching them a little bit more in, in terms of doing that. And I think, for me as a leader, what, my, what I've learned over the years is I attack conflict a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, who wants to talk to parents? Nobody wants to talk to parents, but I go deal with that because I think it's going to help my culture out. Do I have to go deal with a kid that's unhappy? I go deal with it all the time. And then so anytime that you're able to kind of diffuse that and that skill set in terms of how you go about it is, is what fascinates me right now. Right. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that, that I found fascinating is that um, uh, human beings are not wired for success. In fact, they're, they're wired for survival, which causes like 80% of their thoughts to be fear-based and we're reactive rather than proactive. And, and, you know, so that's what you're dealing with every day. When all your girls' eyes open each, in the, each day in the morning, you know, they're, they're oriented to be fear-based. They're oriented to be reactive. And, and I think what happens with your culture is you're overcoming that. You're overcoming that, that innate uh, wiring, don't you, don't you think? I would think that's a, that's, that's a good way to state it. I think it's, it's something that you're trying to attack, right? Again, I think we're attacking also how many bad days you have in a week, how hard life is, you know? And this, this generation, and even for me, even my, there's days where I wake up and I'm just having a bad day. It's just, it's hard to understand, you know, how to overcome that. And I think making that more the norm, making that understandable, making that an opportunity for, to be able to create vulnerability and have discussions and lean, having someone to lean on is really important during those times. And I think that's where you become a solid as a human is that realizing that this is part of the life journey. And how do I manage those days? And how do I talk to myself in those days? And how do I jump my start on those days? The days that we wake up and it's like a perfect day and it's, it's a 10, those days are easy. 
uh, but they don't come every single day. And right. so the, deep, the, the, the thoughts that we have internally that you don't get to see in, in relationships is you're trying to kind of diffuse that and let that be the norm and then working through it. And that's, I, I, you know, I, I lost my nephew to suicide uh, in 2018 and it just, I'm super consumed with not letting that happen within my program or any of the athletes and because they are all struggling and they struggle a lot more than we think they are um, when you really get down to it. Right. Well, you know, the more we talk, I see that, that your culture and your program reprograms them for, for success. You know, uh, unprograms the, the uh, being fear-based and reactive and programs them for being uh, successful in life. And I think that's uh, so cool. I think um, it's, it's, it's more wiring them towards learning to enjoy life. Yeah, and really having a good time and entering it, and just trying to put smiles on their faces when I can, right? Yeah, and they, these athletes put enough pressure on themselves. Uh, the university puts pressure on them. The you know the world puts pressure on them, and it's you know our finals. There was 1.7 people, million people watching. Like there's a lot of stress in the, for these young athletes. So when they can be joyful and they can have freedom in their head to be able to talk about things, I think you get a much better learning curve from those athletes and. Uh, and they're more committed to, to, to the process. Right, right. You know, uh, a couple of months ago, I got turned in, tuned into this company that uh, called NeuroTrainer, and they use an Oculus headset to train focus and reaction time. Have you ever used that? We haven't utilized that at all, no. Does that interest you? I would have to look, dive into it a little bit more um, and look into it. For sure. You know, you know I, I think those things are always like you see those things always coming and going. You know, Nike had these eye vision things where you could change the eyes and where you were depth wise. But it's a very hard thing to measure. And so when you get into these components, you really don't know how to measure it. Um, and I, I think these. Yeah. So it's it just that I would just like to know how to me, analytics is way more interesting to me because you're really learning real time stuff. Um, David Hunt does a great job of kind of doing deep dives with our program and understanding where our strengths and our weaknesses are. And then, you know, training those aspects to it. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm open to always learning and developing and things change. Well, I'll send you what I have because, and this happened back in December, uh, they came uh, on my radar and they, uh, I have an Oculus headset. So I tested what they're doing and I found it very, very interesting. So I'll send you what I have and see if you want to pursue it. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting. Like, we went to Costa Rica, my wife and I, when we got a little break. And in Costa Rica, where we were, everybody stops what they're doing and they go to sunset. And I basically went to her and said, hey, look, this is mental health time. And that's what we had back in the day when you would wake up without lights. You know, your mental health time was when the sunset came up, uh, the sunrise came up and the sunset came down. Like you spend 15 or 20 minutes by yourself. We don't get those opportunities. And even when you do things like, the headset, you're spending time with yourself, giving you that time permission to be able to just think differently and be free. And I think we, we lose that in today's technical, with all the technology and what we're doing every day. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Well, Jared, thank you so much. See, this is, as always, uh, fabulous. You have uh, the ultimate respect of all your fellow coaches. So thanks for carving out the time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Coaches, wasn't that interesting? So here's the three takeaways from our interview with Jared Elliott. 
The first takeaway is Jarrett prepares his girls for life after college, and this is a key component of his culture. And he brings in experts to talk to his girls about life in the real world, how to handle their finances, also helping them figure out what they really want to do in the real world. One girl wants to start a cosmetics line. Accordingly, Jarrett is getting her lined up with an expert in that area. Another girl wants to start a clothing line. Jared is getting her connected as well to an expert in that field. Jared's whole approach is to make his girls realize that they are more than just volleyball players. He's building a culture of love and support so they will be successful in life. Here's the second takeaway. Jared is way more involved with parents now. Isn't that interesting? More so than ever before. They have such an influence on his athletes that being transparent with the parents and showing them he cares about their daughter reinforces his culture. The parents are part of the village and the parents love that Jared is so involved in helping the girls think about life after volleyball and helping them get the right contacts. Then the third takeaway, Jared's superpower is his brain and he gets up at 2 a.m. Jared realizes that his unique superpower is the thoughts that are going on in his head. And he's always focused on learning how people think. So he gets up at 2 in the morning, thinks for a couple hours, then goes back to bed for an hour or so, and then starts his day. He has given his brain a venue for bringing good ideas to him. And here's the action step this week. In the interview, Jared talks about how he embraces confrontation. When there's a problem, he doesn't run from it. Rather, he runs towards it. He sees that letting problems fester only makes them worse. Boy, we all know that. So what is your approach to problems and confrontation? Jared has made the conscious decision to embrace confrontation and it's made him a better coach. Until next time, hook them.